Welcome to the Climate of Change podcast. My name is Ben and it's February 2024. And on today's episode, I speak with Isabel Smith about her work on atmospheric turbulence and how it's being impacted by climate change. That interview is coming right up, so hang tight. And if you prefer to listen to the main climate headlines of the first half of February, then you can skip ahead to the 12 minute mark. And if you want to listen to the reflection, that is at the 22 and a half minute mark. And as always, if you wish to ask us a question or leave us a comment, please go to climateofchange.net. And with that, let's get into the interview. Hi, Isabel. Thank you for joining us. How are you going today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? How's, how's everything? I'm good, thank you. To start off, I wonder if you could tell us about who you are and how you got into your current research on turbulence. Um, so my name is Isabel Smith. I am a PhD student at the University of Reading in the UK. Um, I'm actually originally from Glasgow, Scotland, but I study in England. Um, I got into the this field from just doing an undergraduate degree in meteorology and climate, and then doing a master's degree in uh, changes with lightning and climate change. And then from that, I went into just extreme weather with climate change and then turbulence with climate change. And what made you get into this field of research? Was there anything that inspired you? Um, so... <laughs> I think how I got into meteorology, just the study of the atmosphere, was from long car rides and looking at the clouds, probably was the main reason why I got into meteorology. Um, I think with climate change, I've always been interested. And when I was studying, I think I had some fantastic professors and lecturers who really opened my eyes to the world that we live in. I, I mean, for a lot of time growing up, I think climate change just seemed like a fad that no one really cared about until I got older and I actually realised, oh my goodness, it's so important why we not i mean in the last five ten years we've really changed our perspective i think the world has you're right thankfully we as a society are starting to take it more seriously and hopefully it's not too late for the planet i wonder if you could tell us about your current research and where it's going so as a department um so at university of reading we have quite a few researchers looking at um turbulence so different types of turbulence in the atmosphere there's clear air turbulence, so turbulence that's around jet streams, which is just fast bands of blowing air. Um, there's turbulence over mountains, mountain wave turbulence, there's turbulence around large thunderstorm convective systems. And then there's turbulence that kind of arises due to large thunderstorms 20 kilometers away or so called near cloud turbulence. Um, so my research is on clear air turbulence. So it's a type of turbulence that's not detectable by onboard radar equipment. So as you're flying along, you can get struck suddenly by this type of turbulence. And that's why it's quite a dangerous and damaging type of turbulence. So that's why we, we research it pretty much. So um, there's been a few studies that have come out. Looking at past observations and reanalysis data, we are definitely seeing an increase in clear air turbulence um, globally. The My piece of research is on future projections. So what are future global climate models saying about clear turbulence and so what's 2050 going to look like and what are you finding in terms of how much turbulence is changing into the future generally turbulence uh clear turbulence is very dependent on the jet stream and how is the jet stream changing with climate change is pretty much what we're looking at so is it becoming more chaotic is it moving and shifting so it's very dependent on seasons uh so in winter which is June, July, in August, in uh, the Southern Hemisphere, as you know, um, you probably have a more chaotic jet than you would in summer than you're currently experiencing. So I've found in the North Atlantic that um, despite winter having the most turbulence, summer is actually getting more turbulent. 
and um all seasons are increasing but the rate at which they're increasing is different and so summer and uh, autumn or fall are increasing at a very similar rate in the next few decades and we suggest summer is actually uh, increasing such a rate that uh, the values that we see uh, in the future could be the same as the 1950s so 100 years ago the amount of turbulence that you'd encounter uh, in winter which is this very turbulent season really the same amount of turbulence that we encounter in summer um, and we can extrapolate that to impact other areas of the globe but my research has mainly focused on North Atlantic. And how do you feel about flying in terms of its, its emissions and people choosing to fly or not to fly? I feel like it's hard to blame the individual person because the flights will run probably already. They'll probably still run. Probably not anyone's individual fault if they want to fly. I do think that buying less tickets will probably mean the airlines will probably put less flights on, which is also a good thing economically-wise. Um, the problem with aviation is even if we try and tackle it, it's hard to... It's the one part of transport which is hard to become sustainable. A lot of cars increase public transport. You have more buses, more trains, start electrifying. And, and currently, we can't really electrify a plane. I think there's lots of different plans that have come out. People are thinking one way we could try and combat the number of flights that are taken is just have a limit. So every year, the aviation industry grows and grows. So we have more and more flights every year. Um, and one thing that they're doing in the UK that they've suggested, I mean, whether or not they've actually started doing it or not, I'm not going to get into it because it's very political, but they um, have suggested to limit the number of flights. So go back to 2015, there was a certain number of flights that took off every day and that's the max that each airport company or each private and public aircraft company should be using. So just limit the number of flights we have and stick it at that, that maximum and that hopefully will stop some and it might have an impact on the growth of the aviation sector, but flights will just get slightly more expensive. But then within that, if there's a need to fly, like need to fly, you probably will end up just paying it. Um, I feel like it's probably a bigger issue for people who live in Australia and US. Everyone flies, you know. It's and how will the increase in turbulence affect us as individuals if we choose to take a flight where there may be increased turbulence? People often ask me, what's the increase in turbulence going to impact them? How is increasing turbulence globally going to impact their day-to-day -day lives and you probably won't encounter as much turbulence because actually in the atmosphere it's only a small percentage that's severe or moderate that's going to impact you most of all it's probably going to be air traffic control trying to plan flight routes that avoid turbulent extreme turbulence and moderately severe turbulence because they want to protect their passengers and crew and uh, people so the probably biggest thing that will impact day-to-day -day people will be longer flights more convoluted flights which probably means more waiting times more missions and that's probably what i know most about air traffic control is probably they're going to try and avoid regions of turbulence and from that comes more annoyances to the general public. So people be worried about increasing turbulence? Um, so I would say that if you do read a paper about turbulence increasing and you get stressed, you get anxious, not to worry because even though it is increasing, the likelihood that it hits you, it's not very likely that you're going to be seriously injured by turbulence i would say that just make sure you have your seatbelt on keep it on i know everyone says it but if you're driving in a car you'd have your seatbelt on you're flying at 100 miles per hour in the air you should have your seatbelt on and there's a lot of people who talk about uh infants on board because a lot of people just hold infants um and it's cheaper and for people to fly with just holding a baby there's talk about possibly putting in car seats but for aircraft which i think is a brilliant idea but it will mean that there's one less seat in the aircraft or it's more expensive for parents flying um which is something that's 
being debated a lot in America, which is very interesting. But yes, possibly having car seats on aircraft would be great for infants to protect them as well. And just make sure you're being aware of your situation. If it's starting to get a bit bumpy, just sit back down. If you don't need the toilet, go back down. Maybe try and down the hot drink that you've got on your on your <laughs> don't down, but drink quickly this hot drink so it doesn't spill on you or spill on anyone else. Make sure when you put your your bags up that you've probably put them in and it's all shut. I mean, your flight attendants will sort that out, of course. But there have been instances where overhead luggage compartments have come undone, but it's very rare. Just make sure that you're okay and you're sitting okay and you're all seated up and prepared for the journey, <laughs> pretty much. Just taking off and landing is probably the most dangerous part of air travel. You can forecast turbulence and forecast other types of extremes in the, in the atmosphere when you're actually flying. But when you take off and land, there's so many lower level things that can come out of nowhere. Microclimates and all different things that can act the, the takeoff. Flight routes are very well planned. They will be avoiding these large systems. So the turbulence related to large thunderstorms are probably, you're less likely to impact them. Your pilots are very skilled and they will be trying to protect you at any cost. So they're not going to go straight into these large systems for no reason. Now turbulence, which is the type of turbulence that arises kilometers away from an active system is slightly an issue because it's basically, you cause ripples in the atmosphere because the atmosphere is just a big, oh, it's a big uh, liquid. It causes ripples and so you can encounter turbulence slightly out of nowhere it's quite hard to um investigate near cloud turbulence just because you're just looking at gravity waves that come from a convective system so it's quite it's quite difficult but that's probably one of the slight issues uh when you're flying but from that you see but oh you'll be fine a lot of people are quite anxious about climate change do you feel climate anxiety yourself and if so how do you deal with it i do often get climate anxiety uh i feel like i get anxiety about lots of things these days in terms of like the world that we live in the horrendous things that are happening around the world and there doesn't seem to be a lot of people are actually doing much but there are people who are fighting for for change and i mean we think about if we can all work together and i think a great thing about I always feel better because I'm trying to research something, I'm trying to understand it. Hopefully by trying to understand something, I can talk to someone else and we can all understand things better. I think just educating each other is probably the key to so much. If we all just talk and not get angry with each other and try and communicate and actually build a better future with understanding and education, we'd be such a great society. I completely agree with you. I wish that we talk more with each other and communicated better. I'm curious on a different topic. In terms of the UK, is there anything that concerns you in terms of climate change impacts? The UK, I think one people, one thing that people haven't really talked about a lot, um, flooding the UK is probably going to be our biggest thing because the UK, we're going to have hotter summers, yes. We're going to have colder winters, wetter winters. Flooding is a huge thing in the UK. Basically, rivers, you can start just picking new new routes. That's the rivers are just going to go different ways. So all these traditional routes and rivers are just going to go all over the place. The UK, we're very silly. We build houses on floodplains because we think, oh, it's cheap. We'll, we'll, there's not enough space. We'll just we'll put people's houses and their homes and lives right next to a river that definitely flood and definitely going to go over here. Uh, the Dutch, the the, um, the Netherlands are fantastic on flooding and because they've been living with floodplains throughout history. So we should just start engineering our designs on how they've done stuff. But for some reason we don't, we just build stuff, just do stuff because it's been cheerful. Sorry, such a rant, such a waffly rant. I mean, I appreciate those honest conversations because we need to get to the solutions and I think it starts with honesty. So thank you for bringing that up. Well, Isabel, thank you so much for taking part in the interview today and I wish you all the best for the future. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Um, really enjoyed this. 
first half of February 2024 had a number of academic studies and research released, including the following. A psychology study developed a tool to enhance global climate awareness and action. Replacing half of animal-based foods with alternative proteins by 2050 could significantly free up land for carbon removal. Japan's 2035 electric vehicle transition may not sufficiently reduce CO2 emissions, suggesting the need for additional measures. Research showed that denser sheltered kelp forests survived the 2014 to 2016 Pacific Marine heatwave. The shipping industry's interest in ammonia as a green fuel is cautioned against due to potential new environmental risks. The origin of the Antarctic circumpolar current and its role in climate regulation may be more complex than previously thought. Antarctic algae's adaptability in vitamin B12 use has implications for climate change resilience. Climate scientists are considering the introduction of a Category 6 for hurricanes due to increasing intensities. Research challenges the idea that climate change denial is linked to an unwillingness to change harmful behaviours. Arctic permafrost is shown to be a key factor in shaping northern rivers and containing carbon, highlighting risks of thawing. Tidal landscapes like mangroves and salt marshes were found to be more effective carbon sinks than previously estimated. Climate change is increasing the risk of fungal diseases to wheat, threatening food security. An observed increase in the temperature difference between day and night could have widespread impacts on life. Trees are struggling to sequester CO2 in warmer, dry climates, questioning their role as natural carbon sinks. Researchers using color cameras on Alaskan polar bears have found that climate change and diminishing sea ice are putting these animals at risk of starvation by altering their natural habitat and hunting grounds. January 2024 set a new record as the warmest January ever recorded globally, continuing a trend of eight consecutive months of record-breaking temperatures, indicating a significant and ongoing shift in Earth's climate. The Great Lakes of North America are experiencing minimal ice cover due to unusually warm winter temperatures, a phenomenon attributed to strong warming trends in the upper Midwest of the United States. NASA has introduced a new tool designed to enhance the tracking and understanding of global warming, aiding in the study of climate change's effects. Atmospheric rivers, which have been hitting the California coast with heavy rain, are becoming more intense due to climate change. A study of sea sponges suggests that Earth may have already surpassed 1.5 degrees Celsius of warming. A significant decrease in Antarctic sea ice larger than Algeria underscores the pressing climate challenges. And new data indicates global warming exceeded 1.5 degrees Celsius over a 12-month period for the first time in recorded history. There were also developments on the political front. These include the UK's climate ambition, which is perceived as waning due to new fossil fuel developments and softened net zero policies, as highlighted by the Climate Change Committee. Recent decisions such as approving a new coal mine and licensing new oil and gas production have drawn international concern. The UK also granted 24 new licenses for oil drilling in the North Sea, a move criticised as grossly irresponsible by MPs and environmental activists, with potential production starting within the decade. The International Monetary Fund's chief economist advised the UK to focus on reducing public borrowing and prioritise spending on health, education and climate change initiatives rather than cutting taxes. US President Joe Biden has appointed John Podesta as the US's top climate diplomat, who will oversee significant clean energy spending. 
China's wind and solar capacity is poised to surpass coal, setting a record for solar panel installations. At a summit in Rome, Italy proposed using its climate fund to become an energy hub linking Europe and Africa, though concerns about fossil fuel investments remain. In Pakistan, major political parties are emphasising climate change in their election manifestos. The European Commission proposed a 90% reduction in EU emissions by 2040 to align short and long-term climate goals, sparking debates among EU politicians. The EU's Green Tech Bill aims to bolster the bloc's competitiveness against the US and China by ensuring that 40% of clean tech needs are produced within the EU. Meanwhile, pharma protests in Europe led the European Commission to revise its 2040 plan removing a reference to a 30% reduction in non-CO2 agricultural emissions and shelving plans to half pesticide use. China led in developing new coal power plants last year despite significant clean energy investments. Concerns have arisen as Ecuador's new president may backtrack on a referendum to halt Amazon oil drilling. The US paused LNG export approvals, sparking debate over its impact on global emissions. In Uganda, activists faced jail for protesting a $5 billion oil pipeline. The UN climate chief highlighted the need for $2.4 trillion in annual funding by 2030 to maintain global climate goals. And extreme weather events included, notably in Chile, where over 130 people died in forest fires in Valparaiso, marking the country's worst tragedy since the 2010 earthquake and also in the United States in Southern California, which faced record-breaking rainfall, causing floods and mudslides, and in the northeastern US coast, which has been hit by one of the worst snowstorms in two years, blanketing cities with over a foot of snow and causing travel chaos. Global Energy Monitor reported it in their coal-wide bulletin. A report by the European Environment Agency has highlighted how policies promoting a shift to clean energy and stricter standards for coal generation made a big difference to Europe's air quality over a decade. It also highlights how almost half of the most polluting projects left are coal and lignite plants, with many concentrated in Germany and Poland. In the US, the closure of coal plants is dramatically reshaping the coal industry. New data indicates that coal production from Colorado and Utah is declining rapidly. A new International Energy Agency report highlights how the rapid deployment of renewables in China will likely meet all electricity demand growth. The scale of the investment in China's clean energy sector has also become a key element in the country's industrial policy, especially as the construction industry bubble bursts. At a broader level, the rapid development of battery technology is already having a growing impact on the power sector. A new report notes that batteries deployed in electric vehicles will likely find a second life in the power sector, further undercutting fossil fuel demand. The announcement by China's powerful National Development and Reform Commission that it wants energy-intensive industries to be required to purchase renewable electricity is hugely significant. Mandating the purchase of renewable power offers developers of new projects the prospect of a guaranteed market with major consumers, such as companies in the aluminium and steel sectors. The new Polish government is also ringing in the changes, reportedly moving to drop legal challenges against the European Union climate initiatives. European Commission's announcement of its aim to cut greenhouse gas emissions by 90% by 2040 adds further pressure on the new government to accelerate the transition. Bulgaria will also be under increasing pressure to retire its fleet of polluting coal plants. A new report highlights how pollution from Bulgarian coal plants affects millions of people in the neighbouring countries of Serbia, North Macedonia, Greece and Turkey. On February 14, Indonesia will go to the poles as the world's largest thermal coal exporter. 
The election outcome will be crucial in shaping how the country grapples with the transition and the rapidly increasing impacts of climate change. The Global Energy Monitor's Inside Gas Bulletin reported that new data from EU agency and industry sources show that the continent's gas demand continues to fall as renewable energy increasingly takes up the power generation baton. It's just one of the realities that appears to have gone missing amid the hyperventilating of the US gas lobby over the federal government's temporary pausing of approvals for proposed LNG export projects. Also lost in the cacophony of bogus claims, the International Energy Agency's simple flagging of a growing problem that is long overdue for reassessment. As one commentator puts it, it's almost as if the US LNG industry might have something to hide in an upcoming review. An Italian initiative for Africa, aimed at curbing immigration to Europe, has been tellingly described by Rome as non-predatory in intent, though widespread concerns were raised at the launch of the so-called Matei Plan, and a new form of public development, finance, for private sector gas extraction is clearly on the agenda. Problems continue to pile up for Cyprus's biggest ever energy investment project, while a high-profile ministerial registration in Papua New Guinea has provoked speculation that a total energies-led US $13 billion LNG export project could be in trouble as the search for project finance goes on. State-owned export credit agencies are now increasingly in demand to not only provide public financing for oil and gas deals, ECAs do some other stuff too, but also provide political comfort for fossil fuel companies and energy traders amid the transition to properly clean, non-gas-derived energy. Japan's ECA first started project financing LNG in the 1980s and has bankrolled and guaranteed many gas projects around the world since then. So it's a sign of the times that, for the first time, indomitable Filipino communities have compelled the state-backed Japan Bank for International Cooperation to look into potential shortcomings on a major LNG project now operating in the so-called Amazon of the Oceans, an idyllic region threatened by the impacts of further gas industrialization. Another major financial institution, one of the world's top 10 pension funds, has had enough with oil and gas companies both big and small. After two years of the much-wanted engagement approach aimed at persuading companies to lay out credible plans to curb their carbon emissions, the Dutch fund PFCW has divested from 310 oil and gas companies. In Australia, the listening approach, involved concerned residents and scientific realities, appears to have worked. The state of New South Wales is lining up to imminently ban offshore gas exploration, a first such piece of legislation in the country. During my interview with Isabel, something that resonated with me was how looking at clouds in the sky as a child made her interested in meteorology. This simple and profound connection highlights the importance of our relationship with nature from a young age. It's a reminder that our earliest interactions with the natural world can ignite a lifelong passion or interest for understanding and even protecting our planet. This innate curiosity and bond with nature are vital not only for personal well-being, but also for fostering a collective sense of responsibility towards environmental conservation. In a time when the disconnect between humanity and the natural environment seems to be widening, Isabel's story serves as a powerful call to rediscover and nurture our intrinsic connection with the world around us. It's a testament to the idea that every cloud, tree, or creature has a story and a lesson that can deepen our appreciation for the planet and motivate us to take action in preserving its beauty and vitality. So in today's reflection, and since this is a podcast, I will talk about different sounds of nature as they play in the background 
and if you are so inclined, you can reflect on what these aspects of nature mean to you. Rainfall. As you listen to the gentle pitter-patter of raindrops, envision each drop nurturing the earth, replenishing rivers, lakes, and soils. This sound symbolizes renewal and the interconnected cycles that sustain life. Reflect on the rain's journey from ocean, cloud, to earth, mirroring the cycles of change in our lives. Consider how this life-giving water washes away the old, making way for new growth and possibilities. Let the sound of rainfall remind you of the importance of water in our world and how climate change affects this precious resource. Think about your role in conserving water, ensuring its purity and availability for all life forms. Thunderstorms. The deep rumble of thunder and the sharp crack of lightning evoke the raw power and majesty of nature. This awe-inspiring sound reminds us of the Earth's dynamic systems, the water cycle and the energy that flows through our atmosphere. As you listen to the sound of the thunder and the lightning, contemplate the significance of storms in renewing the land and water, but also their increased intensity and unpredictability due to climate change. Reflect on the strength and resilience required to face environmental challenges and how we, like the storm, can bring about transformative change. Forests. Immerse yourself in the forest symphony. The rustle of leaves, the creaking of branches, the whispers of the wind and the sound of birdsong. Each sound tells a story of life, growth and survival. This rich tapestry of sounds invites you to consider the forest as a community, one that sustains shelters and supports diverse life forms, including our own. As you listen, think about the forest's role in absorbing carbon dioxide, providing oxygen, and how deforestation and climate change threaten this vital ecosystem. Let the forest's ambience deepen your appreciation for nature's intricate connections and inspire actions to preserve these green sanctuaries. The melody of birdsong heralds the dawn of new beginnings. Each chirp, trill and whistle is a testament to the resilience and diversity of avian life. As you focus on these harmonious sounds, reflect on the bird's role as pollinators, seed dispersers and indicators of environmental health. Consider how climate change disrupts migration patterns breeding and habitats, threatening avian species. Let the music of birds inspire you to protect their habitats, ensuring the continuation of their vital songs across the skies and their important role in nature. Rivers. The clear, melodious sound of running water, whether it's a small stream, a babbling brook, or a mighty raging river, speaks of movement, life and the passage of time. This continuous flow connects mountains to oceans, weaving through landscapes and nurturing ecosystems along its path. As you listen, ponder the journey of water and its role in sustaining life, and how climate change impacts water security through droughts, floods and pollution. Reflect on the ways you can contribute to preserving this vital lifeline, ensuring clean and accessible water for everyone on the planet. Insects. The buzz and hum of insects may seem small, but their impact on the earth is immense. 
These sounds are the heartbeat of biodiversity essential for pollination, for decomposition, and for serving as a food source for other species. As you focus on the intricate sounds, think about the delicate balance of ecosystems and how even the smallest creatures play a significant role in the web of life. Consider how climate change and habitat loss threaten insects, and thus the health of ecosystems globally. Let this subtle yet vital sound inspire greater appreciation for the often overlooked insects and a commitment to protecting their habitats. Wind. The whispering of winds through trees carry stories from distant lands, rustling leaves in a soothing dance. This sound is a reminder of the Earth's breath, the invisible forces that shape weather, seasons and climates. As you listen, think about the wind's role in dispersing seeds, in shaping landscapes, and its power when harnessed as renewable energy. Reflect on how climate change is altering wind patterns and what it means for ecosystems and human communities. Let the wind's song motivate you to embrace sustainable practices and renewable energy sources, aligning with the natural rhythms of the planet. Animals The calls of wild animals, whether a roar, a howl, or a chirp, connect us to the vast web of life, reminding us of the diversity and complexity of the natural world. Each sound is a voice in the chorus of existence, echoing the struggles and triumphs of wildlife. As you attune to these calls, consider the habitats these creatures call home, the challenges they face from climate change, and the interconnectedness of all living beings. Let their voices inspire deep respect and a fervent desire to protect the natural habitats that nurture this diversity. The ocean. The rhythmic crashing of ocean waves against the shore brings to mind the vast, untamed beauty of the sea. Each wave is a breath of the planet, a pulse of the Earth's own heart. As you focus on this sound, ponder the ocean's role in regulating climate, its teeming life below the surface, and its power to shape coastlines and human lives. Reflect on the deep connection between the ocean's health and our own, and how rising temperatures and sea levels, driven by climate change, threaten this balance. Let the sound of the waves inspire a commitment to protecting these blue heartbeats of our planet.